You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Hello, welcome to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. I'm your host, Saul Muerte, back again to discuss some of the uh, John Carpenter films that we've been talking through in his canon of work so far. And we're coming towards the end ever so closely now to his films. Um, and we're going to be discussing his 2001 feature, Ghosts of Mars, which uh, starred Natasha Henstridge and Ice Cube and Jason Statham um, in the mix. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Statham. So, yeah, we'll talk about that film in due course. But before we do, I should introduce my colleague who's talking with me for this podcast, and that's none other than Anthony the Big Cheese Yee. Welcome aboard, Anthony. Great to be back. Once again, I want to send a thank out to all the other guys who filled in whilst I was away. I know that mustn't have been easy for you guys, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's much appreciated. It's, uh, you've come back. You're fully, you're fully trained up. You've had rested. <laughs> you, um, some people said you came back too soon. They said, no, no, rest yeah, a bit no, more, no, man. Yeah. You, you don't want to exert yourself. <laughs> we're, we're well, that was it. Like, yeah. that was it. It was just during a production meeting. I remember in the production meeting, I zoomed in and you guys were at the table. And I said, I'm ready to come back, man. I'm ready to come back and do another podcast. Is that awesome? And like, you guys, I think the Zoom froze at that point. Yeah, you guys all were like, you guys were like, uh, uh, yeah, I, can't, yeah, I, can't, I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. It was really bizarre. Really yeah. bizarre. All of, you, but it, all of you just looked at each other. But I was just like, you know, we're nearly the end of the season, mate. You know, you should. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, I don't mind. And you were like, nah, you take a rest. And I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't mind. And you were like, he's eager. He's eager. I think you're, all of you are like, I can't think of a good reason to say no. Yeah. So he's back. Yeah. He's back to uh, to uh, exert some. And back actually, I'm, I'm glad you're back for this one as well, um, because it falls into your domain being science fiction. Um, and I can yes. imagine that you would have a fair bit to say about it. Um, notes. Yeah, notes. notes. Woo hoo! Literally have notes. No uh, way. No. The notes. Way. Yeah, seriously. The settle notes down. here. Wait. Settle down. It's, settle down. Um, it's shit. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, mate. I can't believe you went there. No. How, it's, it's got, ice, it's got ice cube in it. It's got ice cube in it. What are you talking about? Dun dun. <laughs> um, yeah. Is he, so, is he in London? I think I'm just. Was, am I being unbelievably racist? Is he the one in Law and Order? He's not the one in Law and Order, is it? I only say that because I don't watch no. Law and Order. No, he's but not. I know the there's, one a rapper, there's a rapper. There's a rapper in Law and Order. That's not being me being racist. That's I don't right. watch the show. Ice tea. Ice tea. There you go. Yeah. Um, ice tea. Ice tea. Ice Cube is the guy that is in. <sighs> I don't watch the show. Okay. Don't write in. Or if you do, write in to Saul Murta. He's the one who said that. Yeah, write in to me. Ice Cube. Yeah. Ice Cube is a legend. Well, <laughs> what's he been in? <laughs> he, was in uh, uh, he, was, he was in He was in. Friday. Did you ever see Friday? No. But like, pretty much like any... And I mean, like, he was known... Like, he's known more from, from his music background, obviously. You know, he's an American yeah. rapper. Uh, NWA. Um, and holds straight out of Compton. Ice Cube and Kevin Hart are, like, so, big, big buddies. Like, they go, yeah. they go kind of way back. Isn't um, it Ride Along? They're in Ride Along together. Yeah. Is that the movie? So, I don't know, man. Um, I don't just, watch their films. I really... I, I, this is I'm not just agreeing with you. Not a, it's, no, I seriously don't watch I, their films. It's, that's a, nothing more or less than that. For, for me, don't write in. No, no, no. For me, Ice Cube yeah. um, is Boys in the Hood and Friday. Where they were the two big, big films he was in. Like I don't know the dates on my top of my head, but like mid-90s kind of period, right? Um, and yeah. he's, he's iconic. Um, and he is playing 
a version of himself in this film. Um, well, you know, so yeah, but yeah. but like I think like in the, in those movies, it's a bit more. I think because it's it's set in his world. Do you know what I mean? Um, so. I think he his performances kind of ring a bit more true. Whereas it, you're always this one's a struggle. Like I mean, you already said from the get go, it's shit. Oh, the film it, is really it, bad. It's it's a real struggle. And weirdly, like I when I came into this, we've just obviously spoken about um, uh, vampires in our previous podcast, and um, and I kind of watched that. I got I've got both movies on the com, uh, companion Blu-ray. They're both on the same uh, package. And I and because of that, and because these two are coming up, I watched them quite close together, and there's a lot of similarities between the two. It's kind of like um, Compton's gone. I have an idea. What we do with vampires, we'll just set it on Mars. Yeah, um, and and there's this. Yeah, obviously the virus. Isn't it? I thought it was Precinct Thirteen. Precinct Thirteen on Mars. And it's got Precinct 13 elements in it too. Yes, you're right. Yeah, where, where they're kind of had held up in... like, And look, prior to him, as in Kanto, agreeing to make um, vampires, he basically was already kind of wanting to tap out of the filmmaking industry because he said it's just not fun anymore. Right. And I think this shows in this film. It really comes I think, across, I think, yeah. I think he, you can tell he's just not... You know, he's like, yeah, I'm not... I'm not jiving with this. It doesn't, doesn't resonate. Um, and yeah, and it, it's the same with us. I mean, like you know, there are we we, we we were joking a little bit, but there are strong actors in this film. I mean, like we, yeah. I've, men- I've mentioned, I do actually, in, in all seriousness, I know we were joking around, but I actually really like Ice Cube. I think he's pretty good. Um, mm. But Natasha Henstridge, who will always be species, the doesn't species, matter what she's so species girl. <laughs> yeah. She's species yeah. girl, big time. Yeah, but Jason, Jason Statham. I mean, I know he's one note, right? But that one note he does really well, and, and and the thing is, when I saw him in this, I'm like, well, I'm never hearing this from this guy ever again because he's just such a generic character. Yeah, generic thug dude, and of the lot, he's probably the one with the biggest film but, career. Yeah, no, he's made he's made such a huge film career um, <laughs> out of this. Like he's like all hats off to him. Like yeah, he's he's done an amazing job at playing the same character. You know, it's, and Pam Grier's in this, and Pam Grier's fantastic. Pam under, under, underused, but yeah. Joanna Cassidy so underused in this film like yeah yeah, like you know it's it's um but she's like when she's in it she's great (laughs) like her character is really good and Joanna Cassidy yeah as you said yeah from uh, Blade Runner and Claire Duval and Claire Duval who I always have a bit of a a crush on Claire Duval I I, when I saw her I was like when I saw this again I'm like that's Saul's type (laughs) When I, yeah. used, when I used to work with you at the place we used to work at, we both were single. Yeah. Kind of aligned that enough. And we both used to like, oh, she's hot, she's hot. Yep. Yeah. You have a certain you have a certain type. Mind you, I do too. But yeah, I said, like, yeah, yeah. you go for a Claire Duval type. She, yeah, she, I, still, I still have a lot of time for her, even in a shit film like this. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, well, I just, just fast forwarding to the bit, when, when did you first see it? Actually, when did you first see it? When I first saw it, like, okay, I had one of these weird things where I, coming into this, and maybe I was just me trying to blank my, my memory of this film, but I, um, I, I wasn't 100% sure that I'd seen it. Oh, really? I, and then when I started watching it, I went, 
Oh yeah, no, I've seen this. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> I, I've seen this a couple of times. Um, <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, but my memory of when I first watched it, so we look what talking about two thousand one, definitely would have seen this in the cinema, one hundred percent. I did. This was by the point where I was actively going as I was pretty much seeing one or two movies a week. So yeah, yeah right. it was definitely in, in amongst that kind of circuit of time where I was like, oh yeah, I'll give, give this a go. Interestingly though, I never realized at the time I went to see it that it was a John Carpenter film and I didn't have that yeah. association with it, even right. though I was a huge John Carpenter fan at that point. Um, so that's interesting. I just went in cause I was like, oh yeah, science fiction film, ice cubes in it. I'll watch it. Um, yeah, purely my that, thing was, was, that was my draw card. Yeah, I was trying to ask a girl out that I liked at the time, and she couldn't make it. So I said, "Oh fuck it, I'll go see it." And it was like a night session during a work work day or a school night, and it was at the the something Roxy Cinema in Parramatta, which doesn't exist anymore. The building's still there, and it's abandoned, but it's an old fashioned cinema type theatre. I walked in. I was. It's yeah, it's awesome. I, I walked go. in. I was the only one there. It was the first time I ever walked into a theater, like a seven o'clock showing. The whole thing is completely empty, and um, and I decided to count the seats forward and back so I could sit dead center in the theater because <laughs> I had I, I had time to do that. And I, I sat there thinking, is the projector just going to turn it on? Because the projector is probably going, well, there's nobody here, so what's the point? But he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I saw the film. And I remember thinking the film was like, oh, okay, but. Yeah, looking at it recently for this podcast, my god, it's shit. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Um, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I don't know, I can't, I, I honestly can't remember what my reaction to it was, but it must have stuck with me because yeah. it, to the point, what, what I'm saying, why I'm saying that is that when I started, what literally from like, I didn't really remember the very beginning bit with the whole intro bit, but as soon as it like picked up and was running, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, no, I've seen this. And I sort of get it a bit confused, title-wise, I mean, with Mission to Mars, um, which, is a, which is a completely different film. That's a very different film. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it came out around the same time. Mission to Mars was 2000, right? This came out 2001. So I kind of, oh, okay. I kind of get them both a bit mixed up. But Mission to Mars' budget was way bigger than this. This oh, budget yeah. is actually... This budget's actually $8 million more than Vampires, but Vampires looks like a much bigger film. <laughs> this yeah. is such a cheap film. Like, it's... It, oh, it's yeah. Very, it'll, and you can, mean, tell it, you can tell it's cheap, too. Like, you, you watch it. It's one set, essentially, apart from the exception of the beginning and the end. It's, it's one location. And, and, the, and, they the, keep, and they keep going back into the, the main hub yeah. as well. Oh, there's one bit, so, there's one bit where they, they go into this, into this place... It's one of the one of the buildings in the place that they're trying, this town that they're escaping out, and they open the door. It looks creepy, so I decide to close the door and go back out. <laughs> and uh, and the fun thing I thought was like that's a very Dungeons and Dragons thing to do. If you play Dungeons and Dragons, you clear the room. <laughs> but if you think a room's a bit too creepy, you just close it and keep on going. And I'm like, but in terms of a film narrative, it made no fucking sense. Like, no, nah, you set up this tension to open up the door. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Anyway, but yeah, the opening the opening shot is a train that goes from this big city to this outpost city, and the train's so clearly a model. Um, oh yeah, we're talking yeah. like uh, Jerry Anderson Thunderbirds. Yeah, type kind of thing. type type. Yeah. Model, yeah, it's pretty pretty naff. But and, we um, get we, we get this whole so just, 
Yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry, go on. That's like how indoctrinated you were to special effects at the time. You didn't. I remember not noticing as a kid, but yeah, these days when you're so used to CGI and just good model work and good CGI work, you're just like, oh my god, that looks like a because the dust is not to scale and then you it'll blow over at any point. It's just yeah, it's so cheap. Yeah. Yeah, it's, anyway, it's, it, it, no, no, no. You, you're you're exactly right. It's it's pretty it's pretty woeful um, on that respect. And yeah, and yet we're surprised that the movie didn't have much to it. <laughs> the clues were there at the beginning. Although, like, okay, in its defence, though, like it opens up in a very kind of Escape from New York style kind of fashion, where we have the narrating kind of thing saying, "This is two years into the future, and there are chickens living on Mars." That, uh, covered in jam. Um, hence, <laughs> and hence yeah. it's a matriarchal society, which, which actually is in the narrative. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So so we do get all this kind of, which feels familiar in the sense of a Carpenter film when you relate it to, you know, Escape. Um, yeah. So borrows, it feels like a lot of this film is him borrowing bits of his previous movies in a big way. Like we mentioned yeah. Assault from Precinct 13, I mentioned vampires. We're talking about Escape from New York. So yes. when you think about that, you go already, like if you're just looking at that from the get-go, it, it's lost It's lost originality already. If you're just pulling off from all yeah. your old bits and pieces and sticking it together with some sticky back plastic and PVA glue, um, you're going to get like a pretty uh, pretty woeful end result. Um, so here's an interesting thing, and I did mention about uh, Escape from New York. Um, apparently, this uh, the original in 1996, the script to Ghosts of Mars originally started off as a potential Snake Plissken sequel, ah. called in t- and entitled Escape from Mars. Um, okay. <laughs> and, so you went from 1997 to Mars. Yeah. So apparently, okay. um, apparently, though, um, Escape from LA because of the failure of Escape from LA, that kind of along the wayside and so yeah. they changed the snake listing character's name to desolation williams who was the ice cube character yes um now one thing i want to add to that too like uh unfortunately you you weren't able to join us on our escape from la discussions um but richard lovegrove and i thanks so for richard for stepping in uh, yes, really appreciate uh, it. Really appreciate <laughs> so, um, so yes. I, uh, Rich and I were talking about that, and I, I like we love, we still love the Snake Plissken character, right? And it's still an iconic character. We we're talking about where would you go to next? And I said, well, let's escape from Earth. That's like the logical thing. Like Earth's fucked, so <laughs> let's let's yes, you know, That's uh, a good one. Oh, yeah. Earth has oh, Earth has become uh, I don't know a colony where we keep people like Donald Trump, and then uh, everyone else is living on Mars and- or something. All 70 million of his supporters. Yeah, that's right. Well, you stay there. Plus, plus the other 74 million go, right, you're gone. See ya, bye. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're going. <laughs> Keep your country and your earth. Yeah. Um, Keep all right. Earth. And apparently um, there was a couple of other choices um, in the cast, including Michelle Yao, um, Franca Potente, and Famke Janssen were banded around to be the female choice of the role of Melanie uh. Ballard. Um, but they all turned it down. Interestingly, also, why. interestingly, also Courtney Love was originally cast. Oh, uh, she'd be an interesting choice. But she left the project after her uh, then boyfriend's ex-wife ran over her foot in her car while she was in training for the picture. 
Um, no fucking way. It, look, this is on That's wiki, awesome. so take it with a pinch of salt. Um, Natasha Hensley awesome. replaced her by the suggestion of her then boyfriend, Liam Waite. Um, Good day, Liam. Apparently, okay. apparently Sorry. Also, also, just on this too, yeah. just because I'm on the cast stuff side of things. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, Jason Statham was actually originally going to play Desolation Williams, but he He'd was replaced by Ice Cube because the producers well, needed some star power. The name. Part, and he yeah, wasn't one at the time. So he no, ended up playing. He ended up playing Jericho Butler. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Because no, what, what year this come? Two thousand one. Jason Statham was like two thousand one. Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> you make oh, it makes perfect sense. But only he's got star power. So yeah, um, I could see him playing Desolation Williams and being really good at it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, um, but the Natasha Hendricks thing, now suddenly that brings it all to focus because the one big thing about her character, Melanie Bellard, is that she's supposed to be a drug addict. Yes. And, and there's a bit, she, she ends up popping this pill and it makes everything sort of seem weird. She has a necklace that has snakes on it. The snakes come to life because she starts tripping balls. Yeah. And she starts thinking about water. <laughs> so apparently that helps you be immune to this thing that's going to take you over. But that's a bit that's a bit down the track. But the whole point is that she's supposed to be strung out, right? Yeah. She, her, her skin is flawless. She has classic late 90s complexion. Because in terms of makeup uh, and the way uh, women were portrayed in Hollywood at the time, makeup was really in the 90s, like really quite nice. And the transition yeah. I always point to is Friends. From the first couple of seasons of Friends, the makeup and the way they hold their hair and everything of all the girls in, in Phoebe, Monica, and Rachel in the first two seasons of Friends is distinctly different to the grunge flavor they, they developed later on. Yeah. Um, and I think this, Henry, she, the skin's flawless. She's great. And there's a point where uh, Pam Greer's character says, you're strung out. And at one point, Dustin Lashley Williams says, I can smell it on you that you're, you're a junkie. Like, how can she? She looks great. <laughs> but she does. But if she's originally supposed to be played by fucking uh, Kirk Cobain's oh, yeah. ex, mm-hmm. Courtney Love, I totally get it now. Yeah. Courtney Love would have played a strung out junkie. Something tells me really well. <laughs> don't know uh, what you mean. Don't so, know what you're saying. That, ex- that explains everything now. Because that was what that, I literally wrote that in my notes. I remember thinking at the time as a kid, and I saw, I thought that again when I resaw it for this podcast. She yeah. doesn't look like a junkie at all. She doesn't even behave like one. I have, I have, I do have one thing to say, and I know I, we're, I don't think for this one we're really going to stick too closely to the plot because there isn't one. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like the 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 key thing, I we will kind of dissect a few things along the way. But I'm just going to jump ahead on on that note that you were talking about with the snakes thing on her necklace and it comes to light. Yeah. Yeah. There's a point where um, later on when she's infected and they kick her out. Yes. And yeah. Jason Statham's character pops a pill down her throat. So she starts to then hallucinate again, right? And while she's yeah. doing that, the weird snake thing happens on her necklace again. But I was just yeah. like, how does that work when she's not looking at it? Seeing it, yeah. Like, because in That's the first scene, you see it. Like, she's looking at it. And you go, yeah, I get it. She's tripping out and you're getting like, yeah. that's the visual effect. And that's one of the reasons why the necklace is called because it kind of gives you this trippy vibe. Well, what's yeah. the point of, of a necklace doing that when you can't look at it and trip out? Like, I'm just, I just, yeah. went, eh, that's a bit well, weird. I didn't see the weird. point of that. Anyway, that's me jumping ahead. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of cool things that are in the mix about this coming together. Um, so we are, as I said, we're 200 years in the future. Mars has been colonized by a high tech company. We have the Melanie Ballard character, which is Natasha's henchess. She arrives by train 
to a Mars mining camp, um, which has been cut off by all communication links with the company headquarters. Um, now, we're told this from her perspective. So she's our narrator, and she's been called in front of uh, a group of people that look like they are in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure um, <laughs> with this kind of like, you know, group of um, officials. Oh, yes. Um, That's right. She's so, yeah, she's 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 in, in, in for court martial. Yeah, yeah. And these people, these people sit around and going, "Be excellent to each other. Be excellent. Be excellent to each other." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of like she's been sent up essentially to, and so it, the point is, is that she's narrating it. So you go, "Well, she's going to live." Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So we pick up the story that she she arrives by train. We meet some of her uh, crew, included um, Pamela Greers, the captain. And we have Jason Statham and Claire Duval and one other yeah. token douche. Dude is going to die. Yeah. And then there's guy gonna die soon. guy that's going to die soon, but lasts around a lot longer than you expect him to. Um, yeah. And then we also have the two people on the train um, as well in the mix. So we, we have... Played by an older dude, I'm guessing as a giant John Calvinist regular. Yeah, I was going to say that. We have Peter Jason... Um, as the, the old dude, and he has cropped up in loads of his stuff. He was in, um, he's in um, uh, They Live. Uh, oh, right, cool. As the uh, first initial character that Rowdy Roddy Piper's character meets as part of the group. Um, ah. He's the guy that gets, he gets killed off a little bit early on in that too. Yeah. Um, he's also, he was also in um, the... Uh, uh, Mind gone blank. Hold on, two seconds. And um, he was also in Prince of Darkness as well as as the. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that film, Ant, because you weren't part of that discussion. But um, there's two. I want to thank Miles for sitting in for, me for the Daily yeah, yeah. podcast. So, so, um, <laughs> so I think that one was Oscar actually. Um, so we should Cheers Oscar too for sitting in for that podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so we actually got uh, in that film. There's two kind of um, scientific experts. And he's the head of the other group that we don't follow, if that makes sense. Right. So he's all, he's always like a supporting role, is my point, in a lot of his... Yeah, there's a guy who appears in all the Chris Columbus movies, he, the taxi driver in, in Gremlins or something. But yeah, it's one, it's almost like a token good luck thing that they, this director picks, finds an actor that helped him out in the first film and say, I'll keep giving you roles. So yeah, yeah. I feel it's, he smacked me that I was that sort of guy without even knowing it. I said, I bet you he's a... That's one of those dudes with John Cavanagh. Yeah. The other guy yeah, go on, is I the dude from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> He's a Revenge of the Nerds guy. Is isn't he? Anthony Green, yeah. Ah, oh, hold on, what? Yeah, but you hardly see his face. That's not Anthony Green. No, no, it's the other one, the other nerd. Oh, sorry. <laughs> goes, ah, 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 that guy. Yes. Um, I know who you uh, mean. Is it? Yeah, it's Robert Carradine. Yeah, Robert Carradine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's it's right. A, I remember thinking, Jesus, how far he's fallen. Carradine, because he was like the lead. Yeah. Oh, fan. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So they're the kind of the group that arrive at the uh, the mining town. So they uh, and when they get there, it feels a bit desolate, um, and they kind of uh, head in um, to the camp. Um, and it looks, uh, as I said, deserted, um, except people are in a prison, um, including Desolation Williams, the Ice Cube character, who they, that's their mission. They've gone there to pick him up and transport him. 
to uh, undergo sentence for some kind of mischief um, <laughs> that he's been labelled with. Um, he um, Ice Cube's character seems to laugh about them because they are all going to die, essentially, because of what's been going so on. It, well, in a, in a nutshell, basically, it's, it's such... I remember the time being a bit <coughs> disconnected by it all. Yeah, so. I I found that this time too as well. Like rewatching as well, I'm just like I'm I'm not getting in this at all. I'm, I'm really not getting not connecting it. it. Yeah, <coughs> but the whole point is, and uh, basically, it's a mining town. Basically, all the really cool story elements that yeah. would draw you, all the cool storytelling methods you would employ as a filmmaker to draw you in, he just doesn't employ. Yeah, um, there's no sense of like mystery. Like there's no sense of like going through. Basically, it's a town that should be bustling. They yeah. tell that through a, a dissolve. Yeah. And then, like, a dissolve of a town bustling and back again. So that's a weird storytelling method. Um, they find this, this, this uh, every, the whole place is abandoned, which yeah. they, 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 don't, they don't freak out about. They go into this mess hall and there's fucking nails and and blood everywhere. Yeah. <coughs> oh, you're right, dude. There's nails and blood everywhere. And it doesn't freak them out. Not really. No. They, yeah. they, they, and none of them go. Like they split up, and none of them goes, "Hey, you, like in aliens, when they go into the into the base on Lobby Four Twenty Six, they they find holes of acid. They find like yeah. like people barricades being busted through, and they're freaking out, right? And the tension mm-hmm. in the music, the tension in the, in the storytelling is like, but these are like, ah, oh, this is a bit weird. Yeah. Okay, where's everybody? I don't know. But even I don't, I don't think they even say that. Like like there's nobody here. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah. they go to, they, they go to a jail. There's nobody in the jail. No. You think that would fucking freak you out because these are the people who have guns, right? Where is everybody? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so straight away, disconnected. I don't even know who they're looking at. I didn't even clock. I remember the first time I saw it, I didn't even clock that it was a mining town. No, so when no. It, that comes when up it a kicks later off, on. Yeah. It does. And when it kicks off later on, I was like, who are these people attacking them? It's the miners, which they kind of just fucking zoom all over. Yeah. I don't really tell you what's going on. Um, Pan Greer's character goes, like, Gets a head cut off. They don't yeah. freak out. Not really. No. Uh, but, yeah, but Jason, yeah. Jason Stevens' yeah. character when finds it goes, yeah, found her. Yeah. Yeah, she's dead. She's dead. Yeah. What do you? What do we yeah. do now? Yeah, like with you would be a bit. Um, somebody's cut her head off. Yeah. And stuck it on a pike. <laughs> yeah. You would be a bit more. <laughs> like in Predator, at least when I found those guys skinned alive, these hardened hombres were like. Ugh! They just vomited yeah. and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. But again, that's our point. And as a storyteller, you gotta, you have to set up tension by having your characters be scared yeah. and sell and sell the fear, right? Yeah, that's and, right. It, yeah, it's short of saying this is a scary thing that we're in. You don't mm. say that, but you you have them behave in a really freaked out fashion, right? Yeah. And 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 this is one of the reasons why Alien Covenant, which was the one that didn't work. Alien, the one that everybody hated. Prometheus um, was before. Cutting. Prometheus, yeah, Prometheus, yeah, Prometheus. Yeah. Where they fucking land on an alien world for the first time, and they get the shits that the aliens aren't still there. Yeah. But there's evidence. There's evidence of alien life having been there, which, for what we gather, is a first-time discovery. But they get the shits with it. They see an alien for the first time, and he takes his gloves off to pat the fucking thing, as opposed <laughs> to going, "This is incredible. This is our first proof of alien life." Like what? <laughs> so it's a bit like this with this entire film. It's like they're like, oh, okay. Uh, all right, let's go into this jail cell. Uh, so if if this yeah. is coming across as a bit of a you know paint by numbers job, it must come back down to the directors 
yeah. choices. And if he yeah. is also coming into it thinking this is a paint by numbers job, uh, you know, yeah. there's no passion there, you know, um, yeah. which is a shame because we're talking about a guy that clearly has made some classic, classic gems in the past. Yes. And to kind of have this as his penultimate film yeah, is a killer. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah. It, it is hard to watch. Um, but that, you're right. Yeah, so, like, there's they. So, like, well, they do. Let's just kind of cut back to when they get to the jail cell as well, because like, yeah, there, there's there's a few survivors that are imprisoned, mm-hmm. um, and at that point, they have the option. The crew have the option to take Desolation back with them, but they decide mm-hmm. to explore the place to find out what's happened. Like, ah, yeah, yeah. I got it. You know, yeah. um, and that's when. Um, they find a man inside uh, an encapsulated mining car who tells them not to open it. Yes. And he kills himself infected. whilst in there. Um, yeah. And this is the bit where Pam Greer's character kind of disappears. disappears. Yeah. And uh, then these one of the cops just, uh, sees these strange men with deep scars and heavily tattooed faces killing the remaining survivors. That's the Jason Statham character. And he realizes they need to leave the place fast. And that's when he stumbles across Pangria's head on a spike. Hello, Spike! Yeah. Hello, Spike! <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, actually, yeah. in the vampire podcast, we talked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. in parallel to yeah. vampires and how it borrowed a lot of imagery and ideas from vampires. Whether consciously or not, I don't know. Uh, probably not. But how many, how many times did the word Reavers come to you? Like Firefly. Serenity Reavers, yeah. about people who who pierce themselves and scar themselves and and yeah, mutilate themselves because they're insane. Like these were so Reavers before Reavers had come along. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's a bit in when you first are introduced to the Reavers and Firefly how the Reavers wipe out the ship and there's one survivor who's so traumatized by it he ends up doing it to himself, like piercing and cutting his skin because that's the only way his brain could have coped. He could be a victim or he could join them. Um, and yeah, yeah. And that's what, yeah. And those elements, and one of the cops I find does this, yeah. The, the, those elements were probably the better elements that were at play. Like when we're seeing like the effect that this thing has on, on humankind, that starts to yeah. get interesting, right? Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a very loose concept that, yeah, it doesn't really explore. Yeah. With a bit yeah. more kind of focus on it, I think we could have come up with something a bit meatier with it. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. It just it just is a shame that, that that's what transfolds. I mean, like even yeah. like you know like shoot, shooting the entity or the gas, like essentially like it's the form of this kind of gas essentially that's escaped. Yeah, which has these kind of I don't know what like you know it it'd be interesting playing it from a perspective of obviously COVID nineteen post COVID nineteen, um, and if it if yeah. this entity like is a disease that is trying to protect its land. Because essentially that's what it is. It's like it's trying, yeah. it feels like it's under attack. And when a, when cells are under attack, they try and protect themselves, right? And this is what this is yeah. doing. It's just, it comes in a gas form. And then yes. it, and then it kills, kills the people that it believes are a threat. Yeah, that's, that's what we're seeing. And this is all told from Joanna Cassidy's character's point of view. She's like, yes, the person that, opens the tomb so to speak and unleashes this disease on everyone but again that's explained in a really matter-of-fact way it doesn't really yeah we're it's a massive archaeological find it's incredible like okay 
it was told so matter of fact they open up this tomb and the sin comes out oh run like it's yeah it are you like, are like, you are you at least happy like we you and i now are going to quickly kind of go on a bit of a retrospective are you happy that when they opened the tomb it wasn't a piece of rope uh with a couple of doors leading into a broom cupboard a la hammer horror films um was... when they went into the mummy's tomb um uh, <laughs> on a hinge like, yeah. <laughs> and a broom falls out <laughs> oh shit um <laughs> anyway at least oh, it was at least it wasn't at least it wasn't that it wasn't that it wasn't so that. Yes. yeah um, yes. But yeah, so there, a lot of this kind of stuff unfolds. What else can we talk about it other than the, the rest of the film is them under siege, apparently, and yeah. Desolation so character becomes, has to come into his own and kind of kick butt. And, yeah. It becomes, becomes in Precinct 13, particularly the bit where they get breached yeah. and they fall back they fall back two by two, shoot, first two people in front shoot, yeah. they run back to reload whilst the people behind them shoot, yeah. and as they reload, they fall back and... And that's straight out of Precinct 13 where the horde of convicts come. Yes. And at least at least these zombie-type creatures have, are possessed. So that's the reason why they just keep charging. In Precinct 13, why the fuck will you keep charging your people <laughs> <laughs> They have guns, you don't. Maybe stop. You're in a narrow corridor. What are you going to do? Die. Yes. Wait, so Dave. Wait, least... Dave, 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 I've got a better idea. <laughs> I'm going to run down this <laughs> corridor at this guy. Wait, isn't that what they were just doing? No, no, no. Trust me. <laughs> no, 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 no. It'll, it'll work this time. Oh. It'll work this time. Uh, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work. Uh, uh, maybe work. if I try. I'll yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get, give it a go. Get, get Steve give to have a go. Again. Steve will be all right. It's Steve. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. Oh, I shot no, Steve. Oh, no, again. Um. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, I, you know what? You know what you're doing wrong, right? We're not trying with enough guys. <laughs> no. Not, that's, that's what yeah. it is. That's what it is. More guys. More guys. More guys. More guys. Uh, that didn't work least, either. Okay. Uh, All right. I've got another idea. Let's get Eric. He's the fastest. Eric's really <laughs> fast. <laughs> Eric, okay. I want you to go really, really fast. But yeah. just in case, put more guys behind Eric. Yeah. Just in case yeah. it wasn't enough guys. Bit of a mix. Bit of a mix up. Uh, yeah, you're right. The, There's the all this kind of stuff. What yeah. we didn't mention too is also this is uh, prior to them having to fall back. This is where we get a lot of the guys getting killed off. Whether There's... Ice Cube's got some guys that stick with him. One of them we find out is yes. his brother. He gets that character gets possessed. Um, so they lose. They we lose a couple of extras at this point, um, in including the including the token cop dude who's not. That we known. thought we were going to die early on. Yeah, yeah, who loses an arm and then his yes, head. He does um, <laughs> in a in a severed fashion. Um, they throw, they throw fucking saws, circular, circular saws at people. Yeah, with lethal accuracy. Yeah, pretty lethal. Lethal force. Yeah, lethal force. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. yeah, that happens. And um, uh, what was I going to say with that? Oh, so yeah, so we lose a couple of those guys, only for them to go into the prison, and then you forget that oh, there's more guys in the prison. It felt like they kept going. Oh, we'll give you some more characters. Um, yeah. To kill them off. To kill them off. And I'm like... Because we're running short, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, shit, we've run out of people. I know. Let's get some miners who are actually good <laughs> miners. Um, <laughs> they can help out. And, yeah, it, it, there's bits of that. Halfway through, I was just like, oh, for fuck off. Like, who's dead? Like, yeah, who am I focused on? Um, and there's, yeah. there's one guy, because I'm trying to put bombs inside cans, like little detonators inside cans, and the cans will be shrapnel. Yeah. And there's... Yeah. Female, hot female prisoner was trying to cut off the end, and one of Desolation Williams' gang is going to show her how to do it. But he sucks on this drug that makes him really high, 
and cuts off his thumb. But I was like, he's the impression was he, he sucks on this drug quite regularly. But yes. now is the first yes. time he actually cuts off his thumb because he's so high. It was like, it was really dumb. Yeah. Really, that was, really dumb. That was, and yeah. even, but even Ice Cube just says that was fucking hilarious in the middle of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, no. dumb shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the the one the woman you were saying was like the kind of the 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 hot prisoner. Yeah, was, uh, played by Wanda De Jesus or De Jesus. I don't know how you would pronounce her surname, but she um, was the fourth actress to portray Santana Andrade in NBC's soap opera Santa Barbara. I oh, thank you very much. Hey. Um, yeah. Um, but my point is, is that she's famous for <laughs> daytime TV soap. Um, okay. So, uh, what else to, can we say? So they're kind of under attack. Um, Desolation explains that the miners opened up a kind of Martian construction in the soil, which unleashed red dust, which is what I was talking about. And anyone that breathes that dust becomes violent psychopaths who start to build weapons and kill the infected. They change genetically, becoming distorted, but much stronger. And there is this token dude who looks, um, uh, he actually, funny enough, looks like the guy from, uh, the lead guy from the original Highlander. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it's not him. It's just that that's what it reminded me of, of this token kind of hard nut who just has no pain threshold. And we'll just go around kind of killing people. Um, yeah. And then they, yeah, they all kind of get under attack and they basically kind of try, they have a plan to try and leave the prison, but they, that all goes wrong. They end up going back inside and <laughs> this is when she gets infected. Natasha Henstra's character gets infected, Melanie, yep. as well. So um, they throw her outside. They throw her outside. She gets hooked on drugs and is okay. The drugs, because I think of water. Yeah, makes you think of what it makes you okay. So yeah. you so, so the the take home knowledge or or message is take drugs, everything will be okay. The drugs defend against zombie virus, yeah. zombie just, virus. Just, just get take just take those pills. Just it's 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 going to be alright. Just, just just get high and merry. There's a classic, classic doc, fourth Doctor Who episode about these again miners on a planet, and this oh. guy, one of them is a scientist who gets infected by some sort of creature. They put <laughs> his eyes go weird. And what they did for the special effect is they put uh, chroma key, chroma key things over his eyes. So they, the chroma key, the eyes would light up whatever the chroma key was like a really shit effect. But whenever he got sick, he drank coffee and the coffee is like, he becomes like a werewolf type character. <laughs> and he drinks, drinks coffee. The coffee brings him back to normal. Wow. There you and go. So he, had, he has a thermos full of coffee. And of course he's towards the end. He starts when he had a coffee. So, Nah. Ah, so same thing same same principle yeah it's still a drug it's still the it's still a drug yeah it's a gateway it's drug a gateway drug we um, so she's fine she's so she yeah gets, she, she's fine gets back in i can't remember at what point is it when they try and bust back out again to get to the train isn't it because there's a point they where they get out, to the train and the train's not there so that's why they have that to was the original point the original yeah. point though they walk they wander out as a group towards the train station and they all yeah. just and wander out with guns pointing everywhere, knowing that the the horde, who you haven't been properly introduced to yet anyway, nah. are on roof on rooftops, following them as if come on a day to do something. Yeah. So it's it's similar to uh, Pitch Black, where oh, they yeah. go as a group with light, 
and they yeah. know these creatures are just outside the perimeter of the light ready for a yeah. break in the light to attack them. Yeah. But because they've got solid light, they're okay. But it's everything's really fucking tense because they're walking quite a, to one point A to point B, which is quite a big distance, hoping that the light will hold out. In that context, it was really tense and made a lot yeah. of sense because if they're sensitive to light, they can't attack. But all it took was the light to break at some point, which is what happens, and they're fucked. Whereas yeah. here, they're like, I don't know who they're. They just walk out and they just they don't attack us. And like, they're like, there's like a thousand of them, and there's only ten of these guys, and they don't attack. And they get to the station. Trey's not here. What do we do? Oh, that's fine. One of them starts firing, and then so the fight's on. They all get attacked as they try yeah. to make their way back to the tower. It's really dumb. Yeah. It's really dumb. And so, so, so they decide that the next plan, then, when it comes around to this, is the same plan. Yeah, um, the same plan. So yeah. Back to the train. Yeah. Can't go to the train. Uh, they'll be here by now, surely. Um, and so they kind of make their way over there, and this is where they lose a lot of their other players, including Claire Duval. They get on the train at some point and they say, What happened to you? And they're like, Oh, we're just, we're late. Sorry. Yeah, it was just like, What? Something happened. Something happened. The train driver doesn't even ask what's going on. No. Like, we've got to get out of here. And then she, then she said, Natasha Hendricks' character says, No, we've got to go back and kill them. And they <laughs> yeah. do. We've got to stop and this they, thing. And they, they jump out of the train again, they grab to make a bomb or some shit. I don't yeah. know what's going on. And, that's when Claire De- and Claire Duval loses her head. They, her head gets cut off at some at this point. And and then Jason Statham just gets mugged. Like he, he gets, gets swapped. Mugged. Yeah, he gets mugged. He gets swapped. And he doesn't even the, the, the camera angle they use is really flat. He just yeah. goes down. And it would have been I, interesting I, if they'd have done um, you know, like um Vasquez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you assume somebody like him would have gone out like Vasquez. Yeah. Which would have been a cliche at the time, I'm sure. But at the same time, I just he just went down. You think someone like hard nut like him would have gone one grenade? That's for me. Yeah. Let's go. We didn't Boom. see him. We didn't see him die. That's what I'm saying. Didn't see him die. That's true. That's he true. Be back. He could be back. Jason Statham. Jason Statham on Mars. That's um, it. Yeah. But <laughs> this, yeah. yeah. And so and then, and then the the guy from the Revenge of the Nerds he goes down because Natasha Hendridge's character runs back into the train. Yeah. And he's, he sticks his head out of the fucking window, like covering fire, just in time for a thing to cut his throat open. Oh, it's all really weird. Yeah, yeah. So he's dead. Um, he's dead. And the main and the main train driver dies the same way. He gets his limbs cut off. But he's yeah, that's it. So so they all. Um, so it's only really left with the two, isn't it? Natasha Henshaw, Desolation, and, and Desolation, and Desolation. Um, yeah. And so they go off but then the main kind of villain guys climbed onto the train as well and the main villain guy and, and another off- couple of off- another offsider yeah and they fight and desolation fights the main villain guy yeah she fights one of the other guys and desolation really puts him on they pushes him onto one of the carriages and disconnects the carriages which is going to blow up because they said they said it to blow up or something. <laughs> that's right yeah and, and, so and it blows thing. up yeah. yeah it kills the main bad guy not thinking that well that bad guy is loose now because that's it. They kill the host body. They infect. They're free to fly off and infect other people. That's it. Yeah. So think it through. Yeah. Because um, you think that's it. You would say, well, objective is not to kill these guys. We've got to contain them somehow. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That would be. But they, they do. They kill them. The first rule of infection is containment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And uh, I'm not a scientist. So, yeah. I am a doctor. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so the yeah, so the plan obviously goes wrong, and so they. Um, uh, only Melanie and Desolation are left to reach the headquarters and they're having a big but uh, Desolation has to save Melanie though doesn't he at the end 
Because she um, got wounded pretty bad or something. Yeah. And he had to, he had to patch her up. Or her leg got cut yeah. or something. So they have a bit of a meaningful moment at the end there. Um, and then he handcuffs her to the bed. Not in a kinky yeah. way. Um, there was, can I just say that, I mean, this is 2001. There's not even a hint, not even a hint of sexual tension between these two. No. And I think, and I think it's a race, honestly, I think it's a race thing because it just, yeah, it I, would be. I reckon uh, back right then there. it would have been, um, yeah, they just wouldn't push it. There's a huge respect thing between them. Yes. Um, definitely. Um, but not even a hint of sexual tension. This day and age, probably it's weird if there isn't because of, Interracial's in, which I'm yeah. all for. Yeah. Love is love, baby. <laughs> if, we, if we're going to go there, we're going to go there. What the fuck? Yeah, man. But, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's weird. It's, but it's weird. But, yeah, handcuffs her, and that's how she gets to the beginning of the film. She turns up handcuffed yeah. to the bed. And, and they... Supposedly they, the only survivor. Yes. Um, Goes to the interrogation, yeah. and the committee find her that there's no evidence of the alien you talked about. From LV426. Is there, is there any smoke? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. I know. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking that too at the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are your words. Um, uh, yeah. So she gets put into hospital at some point because she's still yeah. recovering. Yeah. And she hears, and then they cut to a big exterior wide shot of the city, and there's a red dust cloud coming towards the city. That's it. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is the one point where we see. Um, Natasha Henstridge putting clues on yes. in a bit of a moment. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I was just, the, I had this moment of like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're the species chick um, <laughs> moment. Um, so the executives exactly like, who are like, in charge of vampires were nowhere to be found on this. No, 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 that's it. Which is good. Uh, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but then, and then sure enough, Desolation Woman kicks down the door and says, hey, we've got some more killing to do. Yeah. Throws a yeah. this gnarly silver submachine gun. Um, and that's it. If you want to be a crook, you can join my side. She's like, you want to be a cop, you'd be a good cop. Yeah. yeah. Such nah. a naff sucking 90 sitcom line. And again, not even a hint of sexual tension, just respect. No, which is, just respect. Again, which is good fresh, too. And that's the film. That's it. End of the credits. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> odd decisions. So many odd decisions, which I've made. A so list of. many odd decisions. So many odd decisions. And while you are making, uh, do you want to refer to your list? Well, one of the first things is like I notice is a lot of dissolves between shots. Yes. Like if you have, you have a character, there's one bit where <clears throat> when I first find Desolation Williams in his jail cell, uh, Henstridge and Jason walk in through a door, walk through the door, walk up to his jail cell, and they cut that walk in half by two. Dis- Jump dissolves, not even jump cuts, but jump dissolves. And there's a lot of dissolves in the same shot from one. Like it's it's almost like, and this, this felt to me like the editor going, he hasn't given me any coverage. He's just giving me one master shot. So I can't cut away to, to, to speed up time. Yeah. I'm going to have to do something really funky here. So I'll, instead of jump cuts, I'll do a jump, dis, jump tall frame dissolve to get my character from one end of the room to the other because that's the only shot he's given me. That's what it feels like. Like yeah, an okay. solution. It didn't feel like a conscious director's uh, auteur idea. It really didn't because it's a really dumb one. And it's a really silly one because it, all it does is gives this weirdly dreamlike quality to the whole thing. Yes. Yes, it does. You, yeah. You could say is a conscious director's choice, but the whole point is supposed to be a tense action siege. So why are you introducing a dreamlike quality to... Tension. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. It just, yeah, that was the first thing I noticed. It was like, it just that smacked me as an editor's solution to 
extreme lack of coverage. Um, so that was a technical thing I did see earlier. Um, oh, yeah, they're guns. <laughs> you know me. I'm going to be the gun guy. Ah, cool, uh, yeah. I miss your gun chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the 22nd century and they're using Berettas from 1986. So yeah. that was yeah. weird. Uh, Reavers, that's my other night. It's so fucking... They're so Reavers. From, ah, uh, yes. Exactly like Reavers. Really are. Uh, I got her that she fights well against savages. Yeah, she's a good fighter against... But it always smacks to me about when you're getting attacked by a crazed mutant zombie creature that people punch them with a closed fist. Like, don't go near their face, which has needles, <laughs> which have needles sticking out of it. Don't fucking do that. Yeah. Just, yeah, if you're going to fight them, eat them in the butt of your rifle. Crown Magar is all about that shit. Hit him in the butt! Uh, I've got Ice Cube, Lord Order. Again, I didn't watch the show, okay? This is... <laughs> I, this is bad. Why are you trying to dig that trench again? Stop. I don't know. Stop. <laughs> I, I think actually both Ice Cube and Ice T get confused. Like people confuse them a lot. Um, it's the it's the Morgan Morgan Freeman, Samuel um, Jackson. It's if this is yeah, exactly yeah. if if this yeah. is um, Ice Cube's uh, Turkey movie, um, Ice T's Turkey movie would be Tank Girl by far. Yeah, um, yeah. This is what we're talking about. It's this. Anyway, yeah. anyway, any any other uh, observations from uh, you, Big Cheese? Statham, Jason Statham, remarkably calm. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible yeah. dialogue and acting is another note. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting locked in a cell. Somebody got locked in a cell. Is that right? Uh, they oh, that's did, right. Yeah. That's right. They do. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So there's this idiotic scene where Desolation's uh, gang take over the. Take the they, they take the guns off uh, Natasha Hendridge's character and Statham's character, break out Desolation Williams from his jail cell, and they're so enthusiastic to see him again. They rush towards him, leaving Natasha Hendridge and Jason Statham to walk out of the cell and close the door on him. <laughs> that is really fucking dumb. <laughs> it is really fucking lazy. Like it's like you know what we've got to finish this shoot by today. Let's just do that. <laughs> um, it's just again, what the fuck? There's a lot of vision wipes, yeah. which is very very Star Wars. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The guy as an idiot who cuts his own thumb off. I put that as a note. Uh, don't get a real sense of threat from the bad guys. You really don't. Uh, yeah, and going into a room and then backing out of it is very Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. And yeah, look, I mean these these guys are reavers. They're absolute reavers. But Firefly does so much a better job of making you tense and afraid of them of what they will do to you. And what they do themselves is like, yeah, there's no fucking sense of peril. So, mm. yeah, it's about no, it's not. Yeah, it is. And like, so uh, there's a couple of things I was going to add to that, just in the kind of uh, making of the film. Apparently, at one point, the production had to be shut down for a week when um, Henstridge fell ill due to extreme exhaustion, as she had just done two other films back to back before joining production at the last moment. I took a look at her credentials um, on IMDb and. In 2000, so the year before this was made, she did six films. Shit me. Yeah. Um, That's a lot. And so it's no wonder she was exhausted when she came to kind of make Ghost of Mars. It's like, can I just say she looked good because I didn't think she looked strung out or tired at all. That's because she was on drugs. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, m- most of the film was also shot um, in a New Mexican um, gypsum mine. Um, yeah. And 
it was using pure white gypsum um, as the shot. So they had to dye thousands of gallons of red food dye to recreate the red Martian landscape uh, really? to make it effective. Yeah. So that's where most of the budget probably went. And, um, uh, and flown to Australia. And, and yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so look, we're, we're talking about the, the, we've already come off the, out from the outset of this saying we're not fans of the film. John Carpenter revealed after the movie's failure that he had become inspired and driven after he had made Ghosts of Mars and decided to leave Hollywood for good. However, we do know that he would come back in 2010 to make his, fast, his last full feature film, The Ward. Um, yes. But that's a big chunk of time. There's a big gap before that would happen. So the point is, is that I, I think we've talked about this, is there's a sense of lacklusterness. Like even with vampires, he, was, he wasn't, before vampires was made, so uh, we mentioned this in the last podcast, his enthusiasm, his enthusiasm for making films had waned. Um, and uh, in the sense that he said that it just wasn't fun anymore. And, and I feel like if he got called back to make vampires because there was that, He's always been a lover of uh, westerns, and that's evident in a lot of his films. Um, and the idea of, as we said in the last podcast, of mixing that vampire mythology with western culture was something that struck with him. So you can kind of get that, or like, well, that would be a reason to pull you back in. Um, yes. But if you're already there, then why go make another one when your heart's not in it? You know, and I think that yeah. I just think it shows. It just, it just. It's not even paint by numbers. It's if it was if it was paint by numbers. You, sometimes you can watch those films and just go, "Ah, oh, look, I'm going to take it on face value that this is what this film's going to be." But it's it's not. It's like paint by numbers for somebody that is numerically dyslexic. It's just not, it just, <laughs> um, it just doesn't like you know. It's, uh, I don't know. It just it doesn't fit. So no. my reaction when I first watched this film way back when was uh, probably ah oh, yeah it was all right. Watching it again now, you really, really see the, the the plot holes of the movie and its weaknesses is is glaringly obvious yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Um, and so, my personal opinion is like when I watch this now, I don't I don't actually think I would recommend this film to no. anyone. No. Um, no. And I and I find like like I said as we were saying earlier, this is a crying shame when we're talking about somebody of Carpenter's caliber that we've come to this point. Um, but I mean, what, where, where, where would you stand with it? it what, what, how do you think uh, a modern going audience would relate to this movie? Do you think they'd come in and have the same reaction that we're having? I think so. Uh, as I fans think it, of Carpenter, you know, but yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, it does. I, I've, I've spoken about this analogy many times before on this podcast, but yeah, making films is like a filmmaker is like an athlete. You have your peak years. And it's it's that happened in between your early years and your latter years is your peak years. Cause, yeah. and, and I think a lot of it now, and I used to say, I don't know why, but now I think I've got more of an idea as I'm getting older myself. It's to do with endurance. It's to do with yeah, stamina. Yeah. Making yep. a film is really fucking hard. Yeah. With all the support in the world and all luck going your way, which never happens. Things always work against you, no matter how big the budget is. And sometimes bigger the budget, bigger the problems. In fact, all the time, bigger the budget, bigger the problems. And the pressure is insane. Bigger the budget, bigger the pressure. Yeah. And and even making a $10 million film, which is a lot of money, but not a lot in the feature film world, there's an insane amount yeah. of pressure. And you do, you handle that when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, right? But when you get older, 
you just you get tired and you're like, I'm ready to move on. I want to do more in my life. I've got to do something with my life. It can't be just about this. I'm ready to enter the latter years of my life. If you have children, your children are getting older. You just you just change. And I think I think that is a big part of it. And and I, I would imagine if Carpenter said, look, you know, as you're saying, I'm getting jaded with Hollywood, I could sense the fatigue permeates this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why why bust a nut to make sure the scene is exactly right when I can just let's just get it done and move on, man. And, yeah. and uh, whatever, man. Like, and, and it's not perfect. Well, I've, I've settled for not perfect before and it worked. I mean, just all, all that, I could see that flooding to you as a film storyteller. And if you're thinking of other things, which you do as artists, you, you can't stay static forever. You, you think of other things to do. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. He just wasn't match fit anymore. And um, I get that. Yeah. I completely get that. So, yeah. um, um, and I, yeah, it's an you're like an athlete. Your peak years are behind you. Yeah. So, and I think it just permeates the film. It doesn't even have good bad elements enough to be a cult classic. I don't think this film. No, that's so, it. It's how yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't sit in that. It just doesn't sit anywhere. This just. Well, I think too. Also, cult classics are bad films, but you could tell the person behind it thought it was good. Yeah. Because their energy and their passions behind it, and there's just no energy, momentum, or passion behind no. the shot choices, the direction. Like I said, I feel the dissolves, jump dissolves, and shots is an editor's solution to like a scene that only has one camera angle. So yeah. I've got to think of something. Um, it's when I like you know yeah you see it, like yeah you see there's there's certain editors tricks you see editors do to get around bad directing and that that to me felt like one another one is a jump montage and in in. Yeah. in Acted to make action scenes more energetic. And you should use all elements from, in fact, there's four takes. You use bits of the site, all four takes and smash them together like a jump cut, things like that. Uh, yeah, and that's what it's next to me. So it is it is sad because uh, the premise is cool. Yeah. But I think yeah. Um, Martian films are, Martian films and zombie films has been a few since then. There's one, uh, what was that film? Literally, same thing. A bunch of explorers on Mars get infected by something in the ground and they become infected with zombies. Um, yeah, and, okay. And I saw it twice and after, I couldn't see it a third time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a tough, I don't know what it is about Mars, but maybe that doesn't help either. Um, Unless it's Total Recall, um, but there you go. So yeah, um, Total Recall, yeah, yeah. But like, I, I, uh, I'm just going to, wrap things up i think because i think we're kind of we've kind of have basically said that we, we weren't fans of the movie probably wouldn't recommend it and we think that uh modern going audience probably wouldn't connect with it either um i'm gonna end on a couple of things um carpenter apparently was trying to go with a camp approach to the film um and it was very much tongue-in-cheek from his point of view he said it was never meant to be taken as a serious horror film um and it was meant is meant to be just very light and fluffy um that may be, as it said, just an excuse that he's pulled out after the fact that it didn't do so well. I think yeah. to sum everything, everything up, though, I am going to hand it over to Words by Ice Cube himself, who was incredibly critical of the movie, apparently, saying, I don't like that movie. I'm a big fan of John Carpenter, and the only reason I did it was because John Carpenter directed it. But they really didn't have the money to pull the special effects off. And I think in many ways, that's true. It's not uh, like coupled with the fact that we are saying that it's just not a film that I don't think Carpenter was into. 
if you throw in the fact that it just didn't have the budget to pull off what it could have pulled off and had a bit more uh, story to it, it may maybe we'd be talking about a very different response to the film. But as it is, we're left with this, which is a very sour note. So, yeah, and then we're going to end on that sour note, unfortunately, as we bow out at the end of our podcast discussions. But let us know what you think of Ghosts of Mars. Like, uh, do you think that uh, Big Cheese and I have been a bit too critical of the movie? Does it deserve more praise than it should have? Or not, let us know on our usual social po- um, social platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, let us know what you think of it. Or do you think it's a steaming pile of turd and you echo our, <laughs> our kind of points of view on that? Let us know. Until then, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sean Muerte. And once again, big thanks to Big Cheese, Anthony Yee, for joining me on these discussions. See you, bye. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Music supplied by Peter Nezik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites for the latest news and updates. listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Music supplied by Peter Nezik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites for the latest news and updates.